Hallelujah. I want to look further. Who are the foolish virgins? There are a few things I want to bring to you which will bring you to another level. Number one, the first thing we know about them is that in the beginning, all the ten lamps had the initial amount of oil. Hallelujah. And that tells you that there was a minimal basal level, original level, the beginning level of anointing oil in all the ten lamps. Hallelujah. And that also tells you that all the lamps were capable of being lit by the Lord in the beginning. We also see that all the lamps at that time, as they were lit, were taken out and capable of burning from the time the waiting process began to the midnight hour. It is only when the midnight hour was approaching that finally all the lamps were beginning to burn out, to fade out, and to go low. Hallelujah. That tells you that there is a basic level of anointing of the Holy Spirit. In fact, this is what the Lord is saying, that every single person that was created and walking onto this planet Earth has the initial capacity, the initial capability to recognize that Jesus is Lord. Hallelujah. Because it is that initial capacity, that initial anointing, which the Lord imprinted in our lives, it is that anointing that the Lord prophesied in the book of Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, when he said, Let us make man in our image and likeness. Hallelujah. Still on the same level, I am talking about the ten lamps. Why is it that all the ten lamps had to be lit? Does it mean they were empty? And the definite answer is no. That means all the ten lamps had the basic level of anointing of the Holy Spirit, all the ten virgins, the anointing that allowed them to recognize Christ and give their lives to Christ, be Christians, hallelujah, the little anointing that allowed them to recognize that time has changed for the church, the wedding rings are in the sky, the clock in heaven says one minute to midnight, so they may know that Christ the Messiah is coming in the rapture of the church to know that even the remnant church of Christ will be the one that will be taken from the church so that they would have their lamps lit and step out, out of the usual church to go in the darkness and wait for the Lord with their lamps. They all had some oil in their lamps. The minimum level of oil. Let me bring you further. The book of 1 Corinthians chapter 12 verses 1 to 3 even underscores this much better. 1 Corinthians 12 verses 1 to 3. And he says, Now about spiritual gifts. Brothers, I do not want you to be ignorant. You know that when you were pagans, somehow or other, you were influenced and led astray to mute idols, okay? 
Therefore, I tell you that no one who is speaking in the Spirit of God says, Jesus, be cursed. You see that? And no one can say, Jesus is Lord, except by the Holy Spirit. You see that? That's why I'm telling you, all people that give their lives to Christ, they essentially activate that minimum level of the anointing of the Holy Spirit, which level was imprinted into their lives during creation, Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. So they can give their lives to Christ, say, Jesus is Lord, and give their lives to Christ so their lamps can be lit. Which means they must have that basic level of the anointing of the Holy Spirit. And this is what enabled all the virgins to have their lamps lit and even to move out now in the end time church, move out into the darkness and begin to purify as they wait for Christ the chief bridegroom, Jesus of Nazareth, Christ the Messiah. Hallelujah. They needed that minimum level to keep them even waiting until the midnight hour. Remember, their lamps did not go off until the midnight hour is when now every lamp was going low. So there was a minimum level that carried them on, kept the light burning. But the question is, was it sufficient? Hallelujah. I want to take you even further. In the book of Ezekiel, I'm reading Ezekiel 47, verses 1 to 6. And this is what he says here, somebody. Ezekiel 47, verses 1 to 6. He says, The men brought me back to the entrance of the temple, and I saw water coming out of under the threshold of the temple, towards the east, for the temple faced east. The water was coming down from under the south side of the temple, south of the altar. Verse 2 of Ezekiel 47, he says, He then brought me back through the north gate and led me around the outside to the outer gate facing east, and the water was flowing from the south side. Verse 3, As the man went eastwards with a measuring line in his hand, he measured off a thousand cubits and led me through water that was anchor deep. Somebody, do you see that minimum level? The man of the Holy Spirit measured off a thousand cubits and led the church, the church being symbolized by the servant of the Lord, through the water that was anchor deep at the anchor level. You see that? Hallelujah. And look at this now. He measured off another thousand cubits and led me through water that was knee deep. And he measured off another thousand and led me through water that was to the waist. He measured off another thousand cubits, but this time it was a river that I could not cross because the water had risen and was deep enough to swim in, a river that no one could cross. In Ezekiel 47, the Lord was talking about the latter glory that would visit the house. But it's very interesting to us here in this parable of Matthew 25, talking about the five foolish virgins and the five wise virgins that went to wait upon the bridegroom, that is our Lord Jesus, even towards the rapture of the church. It's interesting that the basic level of the anointing is the anchor level that he's talking about here. And you begin to see that there is a propensity 
there is a capacity in the church for her to receive added levels of anointing of the Holy Spirit, which levels would be proportionate and commensurate with the prophetic timing, the end time. To me, that is even more interesting because we see that when the midnight hour comes, then the minimum level cannot withstand the storms. You see that? No wonder the Bible says, the days are evil, let us redeem time. The wickedness of the last days, you see that? But I just want you to understand that there is the anchor level, but this anchor level, like we can see, is short-lived. That is just the level that allows you to come on board. Because after that, you are supposed to show the light, which is the life of Christ, to the dying world. But how can you show that light when you are just at the anchor level, the level at which the lamps have been lit? That tells you that this anchor level is the level at which all the ten virgins were operating, the basal level, the basic level of the anointing of the Holy Spirit. But this level also talks about the infancy, the infant church, the young church. Hallelujah. This level talks about the childhood in your Christian life. That means you are compelled to need more anointing of the Holy Spirit. You see that? So you can grow so that the light you emit, which is the life of Christ in you as a Christian, may show more fruit. Hallelujah. And so that you too may enter into the rapture. Because, by the way, mark you, the rapture only takes the mature bride of Christ. So there must be a gradual transforming process, a process of growth, as the church is busy waiting on the chief bridegroom. Hallelujah. Waiting for the Messiah. What a mighty waiting process. You're waiting and you're growing. Hallelujah. And the other thing I want to bring to your attention is the fact that there seems to be a transforming factor that even as the church is waiting, Jesus was telling the church that the initial level of the anointing of the Holy Spirit that you have, the day you receive the Lord, there is no problem with that anointing. It is very good for you because it can help you recognize me and give your life to me but you need to seek for more anointing of the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. That is the message he's giving the church. And he's telling the church, if you depend on that level of anointing, you're going to remain an infant forever. And I am not coming back to wed an infant. Hallelujah. I am coming back to wed a perfect, mature bride. Are we together, somebody? Let us move it to another level. The Lord is also talking about the fact that there is a certain level of anointing of the Holy Spirit in the church that seems to cut across the entire spectrum of the church in the four corners of the earth and that anyone that continues to operate in that level of anointing, whether they are still in the church that did not separate out or they separated out to wait on me, they will not enter into the kingdom of God. Hallelujah. So he's saying that the church needs to seek an increased and added level of the anointing of the Holy Spirit. 
because it is he, the person of the Holy Spirit, that will reveal more Christ to us so we may be able to shine, to reveal more fruit of Christ, of the life of Christ to the darkness of the world, to the dying world, to the lost souls, even in the last days. Hallelujah. And the Lord is also telling the church in this parable that that minimum level of the anointing, whether you are still in the church or you separate out waiting for me in the darkness, that level will be extinguished, will not be enough, will be killed when the last minute, the midnight storms begin to set in. That means you would need an added support, an external support, not from your own, but from the sacred anointing of the Holy Spirit. The consecrated anointing of the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. What a mighty day. And then, he's also telling the church that when you step out, he's talking about the remnant church. He's not talking about the general church here. Again, the Lord Jesus was not speaking about the general church. He's talking about those who are able even to hear the voice of the archangel. Which means they feel the remnant that has stepped out of the walls of the church. And they are now outside there with their lamps. They are working so hard to redeem the souls. Time is out. He's saying even that remnant that is out. If they continue operating in spiritual childhood. Spiritual infancy. They will not be able to emit the rightful light. Hallelujah. The light that is the image of Christ. Remember the Lord says in Matthew chapter 5, You are the light of the world. And that is the same statement he said in John chapter 8, Hallelujah, when he said, I am the light of the world. Which means the Lord is telling the church, You cease to wear your own image, but you wear the image of Christ. That is what the Holy Spirit is speaking to the church right now. And if you look at the church of Christ in the four corners of the earth, almost more than 95 to 99% is an infant church, is an immature church, is a childhood church. They are operating the initial level. That's why they cannot even recognize that time is out. They are still in preaching money. They are still in the sexual sin. They are still in the lust and the love of money. They are still in the human glory. They are involved in politics. Hallelujah. They are sitting together with priests of other gods at the same place, in the same TV programs, in the same radio programs, in the same prayer meetings, the same stadiums. They pray or they wait until a priest of another religion prays. Then they go pray at the same altar. That means they have not grown in the Holy Spirit. Because if they had grown, they would have known that time is over. And this is time to separate out. I have a section here on the separation. But listen to this, somebody. There's something I want to address here. What is it about the minimum level of the anointing of the Holy Spirit that characterizes the five foolish virgins, even as the Lord was speaking to this church, the current church? What is it that was harmful to them that made them not enter into the rapture? Hallelujah. Look at this, somebody. The Lord is saying 
that spiritual childhood, which comes from operating in only the basic level of the anointing, hallelujah, that spiritual level, which is so small, cannot withstand storms, and it leads to compromising the Christian walk. Hallelujah. That's why it is hazardous, it is dangerous to the lives of the five foolish virgins because it will not permit them to enter the kingdom of God. Is somebody following me here? It is dangerous to them to the extent that it makes them be comfortable as spiritual infants in the flesh. You see that? So they have come from out, did not grow in the spirit of the Lord, and were essentially not transformed. No wonder in verse 11 of Matthew 25, the Lord tells them, Later the others also came, Sir, sir, they said, open the door for us. But he replied, I tell you the truth, I do not know you. How can the Lord say he does not know them? What is the message he's giving to you today? He's saying that if you continue operating in spiritual childhood, spiritual infancy, with the basic level of the anointing of the Holy Spirit, without receiving more, then the spiritual transformation that is supposed to have taken place as you walk with that lamp in the waiting process in the darkness, the spiritual transformation will not take place in you. So essentially, you will not be wearing the identity of Christ. No wonder he cannot recognize you at the gate, at the door. He can be able to boldly tell you, to tell you the truth, I do not know you. Hallelujah. So that comes out of failure to go through spiritual transformation. And spiritual transformation can only take place through the authority and the anointing of the Holy Spirit. But even the foolish virgins are operating under the Holy Spirit. Isn't that the mystery now? That means spiritual transformation requires an added level of the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Because there are certain decisions that the bride of Christ has to make that have to be far removed from the physical decisions of the world. There are certain changes in this spiritual transformation that the perfect bride of Christ has to go through decisions that may be unpopular to the flesh, that may not make sense to the physical realm, hallelujah, that requires that she transitions into the spiritual realm. That means she needs to move to the next level of the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. That's why that minimal level yields infancy, spiritual childhood, which is actually hazardous, toxic to the five foolish virgins, to the church we are seeing today in the world, the infant church where women can walk in with a miniskirt without even asking and saying, just a moment, if the other religions cannot do this, how about I that serves the Holy One of Israel 
the one and only true God, how can I even put on like this? You see that? But listen something else here, somebody. This spiritual childhood that the five foolish virgins were in is also toxic, is also hazardous and dangerous to the other Christians around her. You see that? Why am I saying so? Because at the time when everybody is trimming their lamps, hallelujah, because the midnight hour is here, you know every day that when you are burning a lamp and the oil becomes exhausted in that midnight hour, if you don't have the midnight oil to begin to burn, hallelujah, then you'll start burning the wick. Do you hear me, somebody? And then it becomes sooty, begins to give smoke. People begin to cough in that room. Hallelujah. That means the quality of the light that the lamps of the five foolish virgins were giving in that peak season, peak time, when performance is a key factor, becomes compromised, the flame they have will be mixed with dark, with smoke now, soot. And many people nearby will cough, become toxic, pollute people. Hallelujah. And that's what you see in the church today. That's why they say, ah, don't worry. The Lord does not look at your dressing. He looks at your heart. That's why they can be able to go into a very dangerous bandwagon, a dangerous caravan. They can all jump on a dangerous horse thinking that the Lord will not hold them accountable to Matthew chapter 5, verses 27 on, when he says, whoever looks at a woman and lusts at her has already committed adultery with her. Do you hear that, somebody? So they begin to write off the scripture. They say, ah, don't worry. The Lord, he looks at your heart, not your dressing. And yet we know very well that the Lord will hold them accountable. Somebody, do you hear me here? That is what I mean by the toxic nature the dangerousness of the light of the spiritual childhood of the five foolish virgins that did not have the anointing oil at the peak season, that now the smoke they emit, the light they emit is mixed with darkness, it is sooty, it is smoky. When you enter that room, many people ask, wow, is there no light in this room? No, but there is light. We have lit the candle. How come it's so dark? How, what's happening with this candle today? You see that? Because darkness begins to mix with their light. So they don't reflect the true light and life of Christ. And yet that is the most critical time when they have to give the mirror image of Christ. That is when there is so much evil on earth. That is when the midnight storms are coming now. Hallelujah. And they need to perform. Let me bring it to another level. Spiritual infancy and childhood, which is typified, characterized by the five foolish virgins, also creates what we call immunity to the gospel. I want to bring you now even deeper. These are the people that are so immune to the gospel that they will say things like, don't worry, just put on that miniskirt. The Lord he does not look at your physical dressing. He looks at your heart. Don't worry, you can just fall in sin and come back. Because once the Lord died for you, there's so much grace, there's so much love, there's so much peace, there's so much healing, 
without knowing that Romans chapter 6, Paul asks, should we continue in sin? Should we just continue sinning so the grace may increase? And the answer is absolutely not. You see that? Let me bring it to another level, somebody. We know that the wick, the wick that is burning, that is sucking the oil from where the oil is and giving the flame is your heart. Hallelujah. And we know that when the wick has been shredded, they are thinner. Hallelujah. It burns better than a wick which is the whole stump of stock. You see that? That means when Jesus was crucified, he essentially crucified the heart of the church. You see that? It is the heart that Jesus ever died for. There is nothing else he died for. He died for your heart. So when he crucified the church on the cross at Calvary on that day, essentially he crucified the heart, the sinful desires of the heart. Hallelujah. So the heart was shredded into a week. The more shredded, the better. And when the shredded week touches oil, it has a higher efficiency of sucking the oil. And when you light it up first, it will give a huge flame that is not very efficient. And then later the quality of the flame will improve and give a brighter flame. Now, this week is supposed to be tapping and filled with the Holy Spirit and burning from our hearts outward. And that's why the Lord says, it is very dangerous for us to remain in spiritual childhood, not to grow in the efficiency of the light that we give, the life of Christ we show. You see what I'm talking about here, somebody? It may impair other people, may damage other people. You see that? Let us look at the life of many, many servants here. The life of David. When David, the servant of the Lord, fell to sexual sin, what did David cry out to the Lord during restoration? He said, Lord, create in me a new heart. Hallelujah. Because he knew that the infected heart that he was having, which was infected with sexual sin, would become detrimental, counterproductive, would become toxic, would become infectious, would contaminate, become defiling to the hearts of the people that were his subjects and around him. So he cried out for a new heart. That is the immunity to the gospel that becomes too dangerous to the church, which is actually self-suicidal to the church, because she cannot enter. The Bible says only a perfect and holy bride will enter, a mature bride. And yet we see that this minimum level of anointing brings spiritual childhood, therefore stunted growth, some strange comfort takes place between flesh and Christian walk in the church. So the Christians become comfortable with sin. Hallelujah. No wonder Paul went back to Galatia and he asked the Galatians, Who has bewitched you? Ever since you received the Lord, haven't you received the Holy Spirit? And they said, We've not even heard that there is the Holy Spirit. How can that be possible when they needed the minimum level to recognize Jesus is Lord? 
and give him their hearts become Christians. Which means they are the minimum level of the Holy Spirit, even to give their lives to the Lord. Essentially, Paul was conversationing with them about the added levels of anointing of the Holy Spirit, which they needed to grow into maturity, into full stature, pilos in Greek, pilos, height, high, stature, mature, so they can enter the kingdom of God. The same thing to the church today. I could essentially ask the church today the same question. What is wrong with you? Where have you remained infants for a long time? Haven't you heard that there is the Holy Spirit? Haven't you heard that there is increased the added latter anointing of the Holy Spirit? That would be poured out unto all flesh? That would redeem you from spiritual childhood? So you may mature into the full stature? So you may inherit the kingdom of God for which you became a Christian in the first place. Hallelujah. This is absolutely amazing today. But listen to me somebody. The Lord talks about the toxicity, the danger that is eminent and resident and present within the basic level of the anointing that the foolish virgins were operating under. The anointing that would definitely cause them not to enter the rapture, but to be ushered into the tribulation. Look at that somebody. It means they missed the rapture. And I told you here, and the door was shut. You see that? Let's look at the book of Revelation chapter 3, verses 15 to 18, to look at the toxicity, the dangerousness of this basic level of anointing under which the foolish virgins operated. What an amazing revelation to the church. Revelation chapter 3, verses 15. Revelation chapter 3, verses 15 to 18. Hallelujah. It is toxic to operate in that level. Listen to what he says. I know your deeds, that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish you were either one or the other. So because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I am about to speak spit you out of my mouth. Do you begin to understand the greater depths to the danger that I'm talking about under which these five foolish virgins operated when they refused to receive the added levels of the anointing of the Holy Spirit in the waiting process. I am talking about the real remnant that steps out of the Pentecostal church and they step out in the darkness with their lamps, and begin to wait on the coming of the bridegroom, the coming of the Messiah in the rapture. I'm not talking about the world. I'm not talking about the general church, the general Pentecostal church. I'm talking about those that have received revelation that the rapture is near, the midnight is near, which is really the remnant of the remnant. But inside that remnant of the remnant out there, 50%, 5 out of 10 will not enter. That's what the Lord is saying. Even after they hear the voice of the archangel and the trumpet of God and the announcing of the midnight hour, they will not enter because they have only operated under the basic level of the anointing of the Holy Spirit. No wonder they did not take any vial, any jar of the oil. 
Hallelujah. And he says, you are lukewarm. So I cannot take you. You are absolutely lukewarm to me. Second Peter chapter 2, verses 19 to 22, talks about the same thing. The anointing that is so dangerous that allows you to be immune to sin, to be numb. In other words, you are numb. You are insensitive to sin. Ah, don't worry. There's so much grace. And Paul says, no, we cannot. The Holy Spirit says, you cannot keep sinning because there is grace. Second Peter chapter 2, somebody, verses 19 to 22. Look at what he says here. You see that? He says, Hallelujah. They promised them freedom while they themselves are slaves of depravity. For a man is a slave of whatever has mastered him. If they have escaped the corruption of the world by knowing our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, and they are again entangled in it and overcome by it, then they are worse off at the end than they were at the beginning. In fact, it would have been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than to have known it than to turn their backs on the sacred command that was passed unto them. Of them, the proverbs are true. A dog returns to its vomit, and a saw, a pig that is washed, goes back to her wallowing in the mud. Do you see how strongly the Lord speaks about the five foolish virgins? They have known that Jesus is Lord. They have gone even to another level. They have known that they need to be in the Pentecostal church, the church that teaches about the Holy Spirit. Because there are many churches that don't teach the Holy Spirit. You see that? They have, in the Pentecostal church, even known that Jesus is coming soon. The rings are in the sky. It is one minute to midnight, 11.59 p.m. And they have known that Jesus is not returning into the church. He's returning out there in the midnight hour in the darkness. So they have separated as a remnant and gone out into the darkness with the lamp so they may win more souls that are in the darkness. But when they are out there, they still became entangled into the very things of the corrupt flesh that they denounced when they received the Lord. He's saying their final condition is worse off at the end than they were in the world. You know why? Because they have not given the right light to the dark world. They have led many astray. Many people have received the Lord and tried to live like them in compromise with sin. And hence many have gone to hell because of them. And their final condition is worse because the Bible says, don't envy the teachers of the law because they will be held to a higher account for leading many into hell. Their final condition is worse because despite separating out as a remnant, they miss the wedding of the Lamb of God. You see that? It would have been better for them to have remained as they were in the beginning, not lukewarm at all, called so the right gospel comes, pierce their hearts, get the right teachings that are not compromised with human philosophy, with the compromise of the world, the compromised teachings of the church, prosperity gospels, horizontal preachings of the world, that it would have been better for them to have remained cold, non-born again, non-Christian, and then the right end-time gospel pierced their hearts, the gospel of the holiness of the Lord, 
the gospel of no compromise to sin. And then they would have walked straight into the rapture of the church because through walking in holiness, they would have provided the right vessel that the Lord Jesus would have filled with the Holy Spirit over and over and over and over again. Hallelujah. Let us move to another level. Still talking about the toxicity, the danger that the foolish virgins operated under without knowing. This is the same concept of the modern Christianity. No, I am a modern Christian. Even Paul said it's healthy to drink a little bottle, a little glass. And yet we know today that alcohol has been one of the biggest source of defilement, the biggest instrument that the devil has used to bring road accidents, to kill Christians, to lead to sexual sin among Christians, to lead to drunkenness, to lead to addictions, to lead all kinds of evil. And the Lord says very clearly here, drunkenness belongs to those who walk in the night, who walk in the darkness. Do you hear me, somebody? And yet if you walk in modern Christianity, which is the today's version of the five foolish virgins, walking in the minimum level of anointing, the Christian walk that is mixed with the world, then you would accept it. Because modern Christianity accepts modernity. And yet in heaven, there is no such a concept or such a phenomenon like modern Christianity. There is only one concept, the perfect and mature bride of Christ. Hallelujah. So we have seen that surely the five foolish virgins were very different from the five wise virgins. And we see an ongoing conversation, even as the Lord was describing them, every letter of every word he used to describe them was very weighty, was very deep, and had a revelation that spoke to the church. And still in the same level of anointing that they operated in, the five foolish virgins, which level of anointing was very suicidal because it finished them. It did not allow them to enter into the kingdom of God. The purpose of the anointing of the Lord, even the purpose of the Christian walk, of being a Christian, the purpose of salvation, is that we may ultimately enter into the kingdom of God. And so, in the same note, you see that they remained in the level of anointing that was basic, that permitted, was porous. So it permitted a lot of influx of the things of the world, a lot of compromise with sin. And yet, out of all this, if one were to summarize it in one statement, one would say that it spells out the holy nature of the Lord. It means he has zero tolerance to sin. He is holy, holy, holy. Now, in the same note, I'm reading the book of Hebrews chapter 6, verses 4 to 6, which explains again the same danger of operating at the spiritual infancy, at uh, spiritual childhood, a level that we have said again is porous, allows winds to sway you left and right. You hear Paul talking about it, that don't be like infants who are swayed left and right by doctrines and teachings that are not sound, even before the Holy Spirit. And so he says here in Hebrews chapter 6, verse 4 to 6, that it is impossible for those who have once been enlightened and who have tasted the heavenly gift, who have shared in the Holy Spirit, 
and who have tasted the goodness of the word of God and the powers of the coming age, he says it is impossible if they fall away to be brought back to repentance because to their loss they are crucifying the Son of God all over again and subjecting him to public disgrace. Surely there is no better climax to describe the limited anointing, the toxic anointing I talked about, under which the foolish virgins operate. And remember all these things the Lord is speaking as a prophecy to the church. It's not something that happened. It is something that is yet to happen. So in other words, he's saying there is going to be a church that is going to be comfortable and compromised in sin, going to be comfortable with the minimal level of the knowledge of God. Just say, I know Christ, or I know a scripture. And we see this all across the board. We see Christians who can quote a scripture, quote for you a verse, and yet if you look at their very lives, it does not reflect a Christian walk. For example, there are basic tenets of Christianity, like holiness, like the level of conversation you have with the Lord, also in terms of... Uh, your dressing can be reflected in your dressing if you're a woman or a man. In terms of whether you're being fruitful, are you reaching out to people? These are the aspects of the spiritual work that gauge. They operate as parameters to gauge how one is growing. One begins to reach out. One is spending more time in prayer. One can also fast. You know, these are things that are very important because they are in the footsteps of our Lord Jesus the very footsteps that we are supposed to follow so we can enter where he went to prepare a place for us that is in the kingdom of God. And here he's saying, if we are going to receive Christ and then get back to the world or allow the world to mix with us, then first of all, we are not even the rightful example of Christians being followers of Christ, ambassadors of Christ, because we are going to fall in the very traps of sin. And even worse, because many times when you become a Christian, you become even a greater target to the devil. So we are going to fall to the same problems that other people elsewhere are falling into. That's why he spoke very clearly in Second Peter chapter 2, verses 19 to 22. He said, they promise them freedom while they themselves are slaves of depravity. Which means we are locked up with them in the same blindness in the same darkness. So we cannot even lead them because we don't show the light of Christ. And you see he's bringing this to a greater height where he's saying, essentially, the reason the Lord turns his back onto them and he says, to tell you the truth, I don't know you, is because they have become abusive in this level of Christianity because they're like saying, look, the first crucifixion you had was not sufficient to redeem me. They're trying to send the Son of God all over again back to Calvary. You see that? And to me, this is a very serious event because there was only one final and ultimate crucifixion when the Son of Man was crucified on the cross, a bitter, bitter rejection and crucifixion that redeemed the church. And that's why he's saying, if we are going to operate in a level of anointing that gets a starter, starter level of anointing, which is supposed to be a springboard to throw us to the next level, if we are going to remain at that level of infancy and childhood within this Christian walk, then he says, we don't present the right image to begin with because we bring public disgrace to the Lord. Because we wear his image, 
and yet we wear the image of the devil also. So it's a mix-up. It's a mix-up between light and darkness. A mix-up between righteousness and wickedness. You see that? So that's why the Lord speaks very strongly against the kind of anointing that the church that is symbolized by the five foolish virgins is operating under. And you see that this cuts across the earth. If you go all over the world, you will always find that the majority of the church, more than 95 towards 99%, will operate at this level. That's why the church is young. That's why somebody can come up and mimic and bring falsehood and say he's a prophet. How would you do so if you surely were wise? You see, if surely you were operating under the heavy anointing of the Holy Spirit. The prophets of the Lord operate under a very, very tremendous heavy anointing of the Holy Spirit all around them, which affects even the people around them. So how can one purport to be a prophet when they're in falsehood and lies? The very sin that the Antichrist will commit. And that's why you see, that means they don't have the fear of the Lord. Essentially implying they are not wise because the fear of the Lord is the beginning of all wisdom. So the Lord speaks very strongly against the anointing under which the foolish virgins are operating. In other words, he is asking us to make sure that we have spiritual growth. Spiritual growth becomes a very important thing in this whole conversation the Lord is having with the church. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 26-31, again still describing the danger of operating under spiritual childhood, the very feature that characterized the five foolish virgins. No wonder they did not enter. And the Lord is very clear they did not enter. And I want you to understand one thing as a church, that the Lord has separated out the unique, minute remnant that has stepped out for his sake, that are aware that the rapture is soon, and he has split it into half. He is speaking to half of them in a very strong language. It's not the general church you see out there. That one he's not talking about. He's not talking about the world, people who have not received Christ. He's talking about those that have stepped out as in waiting on Christ. And he's telling them, no, you will not manage. You will not be able to enter into the kingdom of God if you operate like that. Now, the book of Hebrews chapter 10, verses 26 to 31, he says, If we deliberately keep on sinning after we have received the knowledge of the truth, no sacrifice for sins is left, but only a fearful expectation of judgment and of raging fire that will consume the enemies of God. He says, anyone who rejected the law of Moses died without mercy on the testimony of two or three witnesses. And he says, how much more severely do you think a man deserves to be punished who has trampled the Son of God underfoot, who has treated as unholy thing the blood of the covenant that sanctified him and who has insulted the Spirit of grace? You see, this borders on actually blasphemy and grieving the Holy Spirit insulting the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of grace. And he says, For we know he who said, It is mine to avenge, I will repay, and again the Lord will judge his people. It is a dreadful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. In this very scripture, the Lord is underscoring, is emphasizing the fact that it is dangerous to know a little bit of the word, to receive the Lord, and recycle back into sin. Most of the church that you see today is a recycle church. They are always recycling between sin and Christ. 
sin and Christ. And I tell you that's a very pathetic state to operate under because recycling between sin and Christ ultimately gives you the identity of the five foolish virgins and brings you into the tribulation because you will not enter the rapture. Hallelujah. And now I want to read the last and far more scripture which still talks about the same toxic anointing that characterizes spiritual infancy. The book of Numbers chapter 15, and this is what it says from verses 27 to verse 31. It says, But if just one person sins unintentionally, which means ignorantly, with ignorance, but if just one person sins unintentionally, he must bring a year-old female goat for a sin offering. The priest is to make atonement before the Lord for the one who erred by sinning unintentionally. And when atonement has been made for him, he will be forgiven. Verse 29 of Numbers 15. He says, One and the same law applies to everyone who sins unintentionally, whether he is a native-born Israelite or an alien. He goes on verse 30 to say, But anyone who sins defiantly, whether native-born or alien, blasphemes the Lord. Do you see that somebody? Anyone who sins intentionally, he blasphemes the Lord, and that person must be cut off from his people because he despises the Lord's word and he has broken his commands. That person must surely be cut off. His guilt remains on him. So this is very critical. This is the top now, the peak of the definition that is attached to the five foolish virgins. This is what the Lord was speaking to the church. The Lord was saying, we cannot have the knowledge of the truth. And we know that the knowledge of the truth implies receiving Christ to make him as Lord. We cannot have the knowledge of the truth and then continue intentionally into sin. This is a very key scripture, even as one talks about the identity of the five foolish virgins. And that's why I said. I'm going to speak with you to greater depth about the marker, the identity marker that was worn by the five foolish virgins. So you may be able to do everything you can to avoid that marker. And in so doing, you'll enter the kingdom of God. Once you know that which did not bring them in, then you can now do that which brought the others into the kingdom of God. I want to bring us to another level and speak about something very, very important. The other people that were rejecting the new covenant, those are the Jews. We know very well that the new covenant came through the blood of Jesus. The new covenant came through Christ. And yet the Pharisees, the Sadducees, and even the rest of the Hebrew people, most of them rejected Christ. But now, do they also fall within the definition of the five foolish virgins? How about the church? Is there anything the Lord was speaking to the general church about this rejection? I think there is a message here the church can pick also out of the way the Lord was describing the five foolish virgins. In fact, essentially, the Lord is directing this message to the church that she may be able to know that he is very prophetic in everything he said and this is yet to come. That is the day of the rapture. Now, I want to feature one area here. In the book of Ezekiel, chapter 44, 
the Lord speaks very clearly about Jerusalem. And I'm reading Ezekiel 44, hallelujah. In that conversation with Jerusalem and Israel is hidden the prophecy and the message to the church, which is very much related and tied into the identity of the five foolish virgins and the rapture. Ezekiel 44 verse 1. Then the man brought me back to the outer gate of the sanctuary, the one facing east, and it was shut. The Lord said to me, this gate is to remain shut. It must not be opened. No one may enter through it. It is to remain shut because the Lord, the God of Israel, has entered through it. The prince himself is the one who may sit inside the gateway to eat in the presence of the Lord. We can even stop there. Now, why was the eastern gate of Jerusalem shut? If you go back to the book of Mark chapter 11, then you'll understand why the Lord shut that gate. Mark chapter 11, verses 1 to 11. He speaks very, very clearly about why this gate is shut. Verse 1 to 11. He says, As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethphage and Bethany at the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two of his disciples, saying to them, Go into the village ahead of you, and just as you enter it, you will find a colt tied there, which no one has ever ridden, undefiled. You see? Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, why are you doing this? Tell him the Lord needs it and will send it back here shortly. Then they went and found the colt outside in the street, tied at the doorway. As they untied it, some people standing there asked, what are you doing untying the colt? They answered just as Jesus told them to, and the people let them go. When they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their cloaks over it, he sat on it. Many spread their cloaks on the road, while others spread branches that they had cut in the field. Those who went ahead and those who followed shouted, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming king of our father David. Hosanna in the highest. Verse 11, he says, Jesus entered Jerusalem and went to the temple. He looked around at everything, but since it was already late, he went out to Bethany with the twelve. Now, this actually was the rejection of Christ. This was the exact image of how Jerusalem and the temple rejected Christ. You can be sure that inside the temple, there were Pharisees and the Sadducees and many of the Hebrew community, the Jewish people, the Israelites, they were praying inside. And they must have been asking, Father, Father, send us the Messiah. They must have been asking the Father in heaven to send them the Messiah. But right outside here was the Messiah on a cult, walking around, he checked everything and he went. To symbolize the rejection that the temple of the Lord and Jerusalem would have over him. Now, I want to pray for those who want to receive the Lord. Repeat this prayer with me. Say, Dear Jesus, today I repent and turn away from sin. And I receive you in my life as my Lord and Savior. Please establish your word and righteousness in my life. 
and prepare me for the glorious coming of the Messiah. In the mighty name of Jesus, I am born again. Amen.